is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. All right, Andrew, special edition. Special of the edition Schaefer last Baseball minute. Podcast. Love it. Yep. Who's in house? Steve Springer. Springer. As you say, with, yep. the, with the A at the end. Springer. Yep. That's right. We've been... Uh, <laughs> Nobody gets ragged more than me. <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah. So listen, when, when the phone rings and the size of your head comes up on my phone, I'm like, whoa, and I drop it. I drop it. You got to go uh, there, huh? Springer and I have been teammates. Well, we were teammates in 1989. No, we were teammates in 1988. 88. 88. For one month. That's and right. And then I uh, ended up re-signing with yep. uh, the White Sox. So that's over... How many years is that, Andrew? Do some math for me. I'm not good at math. A lot, right? Yeah. It's like, a lot. Yep. Is it 30? Is it close to 30? Probably close to 30. Yeah, You're getting like old, that. Jake. <laughs> it is 30. <laughs> it is 30. Oh, good God. Yeah, that's a long time. But uh, spring played third. I played short. Showed up one day and threw a freaking dart across the field. I was like, oh, good God. Look at the arm on this guy. Um Played with the biggest glove you've ever seen at third base. The biggest glove. What size? He, you know, he decided, he, he said something to me today. He said, I learned how to work less and make more money. He learned how to play less and make all the plays. He got a, his glove just kept getting bigger and bigger so he didn't have to There was just anywhere. more room in case it went like this. <laughs> or had to extend and, uh, I, you know, you don't catch it in the way you catch it in the pocket. Double plays, playing second. If I played second, I used the big glove. It just... Made me feel I didn't have the hands. Like right. I felt yeah. like my hands worked really well above the waist, down by my feet. They weren't that good. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Now nah, listen. So Spring's done a lot of things in the game. I'll let her, let you fill, fill everybody in. But um, you know, left the game, started scouting right away. Did quite a few years of scouting with uh, the Diamondbacks and with Toronto. Uh, became a performance coach. Was an agent. Um, now you're now you're bouncing all over the country, and you're doing uh, you're doing your public speaking on your your quality at bats and your Q2 and all the stuff that you put out. You have an academy, so there's, there's quite a bit going on that uh, people can tap into. But so fill us in first, and then we'll talk about the details of everything. Well, I mean, everybody's got a story, man, and I just I feel my story is as good as anybody's. You know, I, I consider myself like the baseball version of Rudy. Uh, you know, I didn't start in high school. Uh, I was 4'11", 90 pounds when I went in. I was 5'8", a buck 40 when I went out. Uh, never started on varsity. I, my brother was all state. He was a stud. He went to Golden West Junior College. I'm thinking the coach knows I'm coming there. He didn't have to call me because um, he didn't. <laughs> and I went out for the team and I got cut, which today is still baffling on how bad this coach thought I sucked. I mean, my brother's the best player in the state and I got cut. I get a job at Disneyland working on the canoes and three days later, my brother came home with the uniform because three guys quit. So I was 19 years old, freshman in college. I got three at-bats the whole year, never played, coached first base, and I ended up playing in the big leagues. So when I go speak to try and inspire kids and, and uh, you know, you're not too small. You see, everybody, Schaefer and I were talking earlier, I mean, everybody wants to be put in a microwave. They want it right now. And, you know, I want to be put in an oven. I want to be ready when I get there. And, you know, parents out there, it's okay if your 12-year-old has a bad series at the Burger King Championship. Like Vanderbilt's not panicking. But sometimes we think it's all about right now, whatever age you're at. And so I'm, when I go speak, I try to, you know, help kids and parents figure out, you know, you got to put stuff in in a big picture mindset. And fortunately, I did. And fortunately, I grew four inches when I was 20 years old and had a new body because I was always a really good player when I was 9, 10, 11, 12. I was all-star. Right? And I was in the majors at nine. I didn't, I didn't uh, 
grow an inch from the time I was 13 to 15. You, you didn't know. keep that new body real long, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, now, now, now I'm six foot about 240. <laughs> uh, but when you get stronger, you know, things happen. And, and so I had instincts. Now I had a new body, and, and I ended up going from a, a second string, second baseman to an all-conference shortstop in one year. And I uh, ended up getting a full ride to UCLA. You know, it was the greatest five days of my life until I looked at my transcripts. I was a dummy. I could, you know, guys like Gary Adams was like, really, you took badminton? <laughs> Tennis? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I could play some badminton. Uh, uh, I couldn't get in. I ended up going to the University of Utah and full ride, hurt my arm. I ended up dh the whole year. And, and then, uh, you know, 50 scouts came to see Rick Aguilera, Wally Jordan, and Corey Snyder. And I went five for five with a bomb, two doubles, and five RBIs. And, one day he got me drafted, and I ended up playing 14 years, and uh, I was sort of a legend in the wrong leg. I spent 11 years in AAA, and, and I played in 1,591 minor league games. I had 1,592 hits. I was really glad to see that. <laughs> and I ended up getting two hits in each league in the big leagues, you know, which doesn't sound that great until you figure out that I didn't start in high school. I got cut in college. I'll take yeah. them. Yeah. You know, and so – and then I – uh, ended up going right into scouting with the Diamondbacks. Uh, Louis Medina called me up. He's like an assistant GM with the Kansas City Royals right now. And he said it as perfect as you could say it. He said, dude, your playing career is killing your scouting career. <laughs> okay, Like 11 years in AAA is enough, bro. You ain't that good. <laughs> and uh, I was a scout three days later with the Diamondbacks. I did Orange County, San Diego. Got, I had a couple kids at the time. and I always thought I was going to be a coach. And then... You know, I knew that lifestyle was brutal uh, on families, and so I got to see my kids every day. And then I became a West Coast cross-checker where I had a little say in it. And then, don't ask me why, but I became an agent uh, chasing the money and trying to make money. And uh, I did that for like seven years, but I'm glad I did that because if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have this company quality at bats because... I had a guy named Tommy McCraw that changed my life. You remember uh, him? Listen, that's, I tell the story all the time about you because... You know, there's a lot of people out there that kind of create things as they go along and to, to market and make money and do it. But, you know, I remember you wearing, the, you know, the aluminum freaking thing <laughs> with the orange orange little uh, earphones. And it was a cassette. Yeah. And it was a cassette. And it was a conversation that you had with Tommy McCraw. And I guess when you were with the Mets mm -hmm. and he was talking about, you know, you're at bats and all that other yeah. stuff. And, and he religiously listened to it. Every day. And, you know, and for me, you know, I, there's a couple guys out there that... that I wasn't the best hitter, so I had to compete, right? So I needed more information to be a, a, a competitor offensively. I wasn't horrible, but I wanted to be better, obviously. And one was Spring when I got there, and the other one was Alan Cockrell when I got yeah. to, you know, I mean, just two two good minds of hitting that, that thought the game. I was never a mental guy. I was more a reactionary guy. You know, I mean, I could defense was different. I, you know, you react, you know the situations, and you move and go. But at the plate, I was not a – I was not – Looking for pitches, I wasn't hunting pitches. I was just going up there and sitting, I was ready to sitting hit. fastball and adjust. Dude, the first pitch out of his hand, I'm hacking. Yeah. So you know, I wouldn't even give my chance. I wouldn't even give myself a chance for a long time to to get the pitch that I wanted to hit or or you know, <laughs> be in a situation. So I remember talking to to, to Spring one day and uh, you know about it, and I, I, we might have even been on deck. And I'm like, Spring, what do you think he's going to do? <laughs> no, he used me. He said in second, I'm in third. He said, what should I sit on? I'm like, sit on a fastball. You're Jeff Schaefer. Who do you think you are, me? <laughs> I can't get anything, dude. Yeah, so I, I say that. There was a third There was a third piece, probably maybe a, you know, a bigger piece as far as a, a mental approach, and that was Edgar Martinez, too. Yeah, you're you know, Edgar was just unbelievable. He was, he was a computer. But to my point was, you know, you, he, he lived it. He did it. 
You know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to market it. I'm going to make money because you I didn't know what I had. You had no idea. I mean, I, I was trying to get my kids a mental game, and I knew that that thing with Tommy McCraw changed my life. And so I was in my car with a tape recorder at the time, which was like in 19, no, it was in 2001. And I'm in, you know, the car doors open and, you know, fastball right down the middle, you know, somewhere. Yeah. You know, my, I let my brother listen to it. He played six years of pro ball, and he's like, Dude, that's really good. You clean that up, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I went to a recording studio. I didn't even know what I had. I made uh, 500 tapes and I yeah. made 500 CDs. And like the tape went out of style the next day. I just threw <laughs> away like 490 tapes. And I gave one to George Horton at Cal State Fullerton that week. And this one, I knew I had something. I didn't know he was going to listen to it. Well, he had his whole team listen to it five hours before they played Miami in Miami when Miami was the number one team in the country. And they swept them and scored 10 a game. He said, Dude, change the way we think. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I thought, okay, I got something. I just started speaking for free and, and at plant camps and clinics. And you could count the parents when I was done. That's how many CDs I sold uh, for 20 bucks. And now, you know, I, I, I got the, the original <coughs> CD, the Q2. I made a new Q, uh, Q15, a 15-minute CD that a kid could listen to right before the game. I have a pitching CD. I have a parent CD. I wrote a book. I have a Christian CD. And now it's based on the Christian walk. And that's called my bundle, and it's you know it sells when I'm sleeping, and I try to call people up and thank them, and they can't believe I'm calling them. Spring stayed at the house last night, so he was making, told me he was making money with sleeping, so I tried to rob him in the middle of the night. <laughs> he said he took an Ambien. I'm like, I got this dude. He's man. looking for all my numbers. I got my like, oh, like, dude. <laughs> but it's so cool to, to, to be able to, to teach the mental side and the and, and compete side. See, too many players let their mind get in the way of their ability instead of help their ability. And, it's one of my lines, if you like your abilities and your abilities aren't showing up, it's not your abilities problem, it's what you're thinking, how you feel, how you react. And, and I'm so into uh, sitting on speeds. It's too many, too many hitters, they try to hit the fastball. You know what, slide it, up, change it, it's, a, it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, you have, to like, you have to go through a series or a period of time of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not a comfortable thing. You know, we're used to coming out of here and hitting, like we were talking last night about, you know, off the machine, you can jump it up to 95 and these kids are going to get quality hacks all the time mm-hmm. because they know what's coming, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to throw them a breaker ball and you say, okay, here comes a breaker ball. They're going to get a quality hack because they know what's coming. But you get in a game situation, and I know for me, and probably, you know, early on, it's like you're so afraid of letting that one pitch get by you that you don't have the you don't have the the mental toughness to go ahead and say I'm going to sit on a breaking ball and spit on a fastball here, yeah. or I'm going to look for something you know something different. So there, there, there's a period in there where these kids have to, you got to convince them, and you got to make sure that they understand at this level right now that that we keep, that we coach at Andrew well, and I whatever. Well, you, you hunt fastball, but the other part of it is I'm not so much concerned about the result but I am concerned about the approach yeah. right and then the result will come after you've done enough approaches to it and understand how it goes I think too many players they look for something they want to hit rather than what they're going to get you know if I told you here comes a fastball 100% you can't put a good swing on it and go play soccer right we got to be able to even one tool could do that yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> I mean, how come we could hit the breaking ball machine in the cage and it turns invisible during the game like he was mm-hmm. talking about it. and it's you know until I get two strikes on me it's like my blackjack analogy I told this to Mark Trumbo one time. He's like, that's your best analogy ever. I said, too many kids hit like they got 16 on them, oh, oh, like you're going to bust or strike out. I said, bro, we're splitting aces. I don't have to swing. And he's like, that's your best analogy. And it makes sense. I mean, why do I have to swing? And this is why you watch the so we want watch everybody out there to start gambling tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you know, as long as you're competing, I don't care. <laughs> you know, you compete on everything you do. But it's it's so right. I mean, why, why, why are the Astros and teams trying to get – 
pitches what's coming because it's easier to hit one pitch when you know it's coming. That was another story yeah. we brought up last night when we were in Vancouver and relaying signs. Oh, Shafe yeah. saved me one night. Uh, bases loaded, uh, two outs, tie score, full count, and Shafe goes to his helmet the right way. You know, the, okay, I got signs. And if he checks his lead, it's off speed, and if he stares right at me, it's fastball. And I see him go to his helmet. I'm like, good, thank God. I need a little help right now. <laughs> And he checked his lead, and I knew a break mode was coming. I zoned up. I'd loaded light and took a fastball swing and smoked it right in the right so, center for a So he up. wasn't banging trash cans or any of that? No, no. trash can bang. <laughs> well, he was no. banging his helmet, which yeah. is a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had a good conversation last night about uh, about a lot of things, you know, a, a lot of, about, you know, our, our journeys and being teammates, but also, you know, how he's, you know, he's gotten to this point here and what he's doing. He's Like I said, he's bouncing all over the country. Uh, He's speaking. The information is solid. Um, you know, I, I brought up to him last night. We hear, you know, we see so many people just kind of just throwing garbage out there just to try and make a buck. But, you know, Spring started off doing this for free and just passing information on that was solid information as being a coach and a scout and all this other stuff, trying to make players better. And now he's got the opportunity to uh, play golf 236 times a year. Fish. Fish, yeah. yeah you know, and bounce yeah. around and... Uh, I remember when Tony LaCava hired me to be the Blue Jays. Uh, he, he had this in mind. I, I went over there as a major league scout, but he wanted me in with our mm. players. And and so I went to instructional league the first year, and I blended with the coach as well. And then he, So I did the mental coach for the Blue Jays, and he said, Spring, if you help one guy, you're worth your money. Mm. And I said, Tony, if I don't help 100, fire me. I'm not teaching get your hands here, get your feet here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I love that. He says, yeah, go to triple if you want to. Go to double A once, get your butt down there with the 17, 18-year-old kids and teach them how to compete with confidence when you're not getting hits. Because when I get my Knoxville, I'm good. How do I How do I handle going one for 20? Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't go one for 20, 20 times, you didn't play long enough. 30 times in Shave's case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I tell you, I heard a funny Pete Rose story, though, in that, in that sense. Remember when we sit with Pete Rose that night? He was talking yeah. about his son, oh, Petey, called oh, him God. and said uh, – Dad, I'm, he goes, I'm struggling. He goes, I'm, I'm like 0 for 22. And Pete said, well, why are you calling me, man? Call, call Dave Concepcion. I've never gone 0 for 22. <laughs> That's beautiful. That was pretty funny. Like, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. I never, you know. This is one of my things when I, when I speak, and one of my main things is I believe careers start when you finally say, I don't care what I hit. The batting average is the biggest trap in baseball. I hit three balls right on the screws, right at somebody. Baseball says I suck. My batting average goes down. I think I failed. Now the wrong me starts playing. And if you can play every day like it's opening day, like we, college baseball just opened up, every single person on the field across the country in college is 100% confident. Why? Because they had no yesterday beating them up. And then on day number two when they're 0 for 4, now they go 0 for 2, and now in their mind they're 0 for 6, and they're letting yesterday's bad game play today. And that's the trap of the game right there. That's the mental part. And so if you can compete with confidence every single day that you play and play every day like it's opening day, it doesn't mean you get three hits. It doesn't mean you win every game. It means yeah. you get the right guy playing every day. And that's the key. Yeah. Do you guys think the mental approach in baseball is underappreciated nowadays? I, 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 think, I think what's happening, that's, that's a great question, Andrew. And I, I think what's happening is parents have gotten so involved in lessons and things like that. And there's so many guys. Lessons are important. You gotta, mm-hmm. there's, a funda, there's fundamentals to swing. There's fundamentals to hitting, right? So they're important that you, can, you build that foundation. But what happens is there's people out there that can teach the fundamentals because it's all over the internet. And if you pick the right video or the right thing, you can understand what it looks like. The problem, that the piece that's missing is what comes with wisdom, it comes with time, it comes with experience, is that 
the mental approach to hitting is is unbelievably difficult. I mean, it's it it's it's a tough thing to do. And if you are not prepared to go into the dish, go to the dish every single time, you know, with an approach, you're going to lose. You're going to fail. So you can spend all the money you want on lessons on a daily basis. You can. You can go and, you know, you because there's only so much at some point you can do because the kid's going to get to the point where his swing does become muscle memory. Now, what sets him apart? And I tell this to our kids all the time. And it's probably my the one thing that gets them to understand how tough the mental part is, is that we get to a point in our career, especially in pro ball when we all got there, right? When we were dudes coming through, right? We were always the better guy, better guy. And all of a sudden you land in pro ball, and you're in a dugout with 25 guys, and you look across the field, and there's another 25 guys over there. They can all do what you can do physically. They're the same size. They run. They throw, whatever. The guys that are going to climb the ladder and get out of it, especially going through the minor leagues, you better be mentally tough. Mm-hmm. You better be prepared for it, not only defensively, offensively, off the field. You better be ready um, mentally. So that piece right there, parents don't understand the mental part, especially if you've never played. Now, we have parents in here that, you know, parents were athletes at high levels, you know. I mean, Greg Olson's in here, who just retired from the Panthers, going to go to the Hall of Fame. He understands what it takes to be an athlete and, and prepare yourself mentally, not just physically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, more people that are sitting out behind us right now don't get it, you know. They think the more reps that you throw at a kid is going to be better. Cal Ripken Sr. said something to me that was just profound, you know, when I first got into the He said, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. So you build that muscle memory, you build that foundation, and now you got to go ahead and take the computer in your head, and you got to make sure that you can beat that guy across the field. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, it's you know, Kyle Ripken. Well, Kyle Ripken. I saw a video on him on MLB, and he was talking about hunting speeds. And you would have thought I was in his body, you know. But this is Kyle Ripken, and he, and we had similar approaches. They were talking about uh, facing uh, Scott Erickson, who had just nasty sinker, and he's like. I don't want to face that and beat it off my ankle. I, he sat on off speed on this guy's because he felt he was going to get it, you know. And, and the, the announcer, well, you don't sit fastball and adjust. He said, no. I said, why would I look for something I'm not going to get or what I don't want to hit? Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense to me. And the mental side for me is everything. And and it's, you know, and what you talked about a little bit earlier too about having knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it comes from playing and it comes from learning. And our job as coaches to try and get. Uh, kids to figure it out quicker. That's what a good coach does. He, you know, through our experiences. And I was watching MLB, and Dan O'Dowd was on there, and they're talking about analytics. And Dan's like, analytics are great, but if you cut out the wisdom and the knowledge, bro, yeah. you, you, you're, you, we, mm-hmm. baseball has let go so many good baseball people, men that have wisdom and knowledge, because analytics has taken over instead of blending them. And now all of a sudden you got some. And my my analogy on or on analytics. And I'm sure they're important, but they're not in the one hole. And, and analytics, <clears throat> most analytics people have them in the one, two, and three hole. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just don't believe that, man. I believe that it's about the mind. It's about competing with confidence. And if analytics was everything, why isn't every team great? Because they all got the same numbers. Right. Yeah. You know, it's still about coaching and, and being a belief coach to somebody. And, and that's what we are. I mean, we, we want to be belief coaches. We want to make that player believe he's good. And the greatest story is Eric Chavez, I heard. He, some guy asked him, he's like, who's your favorite coach? And he didn't even flinch, Ron Washington, who was my favorite coach. And he goes, well, why? And Chavez went blank for like 15 seconds. He's like, And then he blurts out, 
I don't know, man. He just made me feel I was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I watch, you know, everybody talks about what a great infield instructor Ron Washington is, right? And he's doing all the same drills that we've done forever. But see, that's the difference. And that's, and that's what we say here in our business is that you can go down the road and you can go work with somebody that's going to tell you the same fundamentals, the same everything, whatever that we know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it's basic baseball. It's, you know, if, if, you have, if you've done certain things, you've been with enough good coaches, you know what the foundation is. It's the guys that have been there and done that that are coming from a 30,000-foot level going, you know what, dude? You know, this is how you have to play this game because it becomes mental. It, the game becomes mental because everybody has the physical tools. These bodies are bigger, faster, stronger. How come these athletes aren't better than we are? Or how they should have been better than we were when we played. And the difference is we might not have been as big and fast and strong. And, you know, we were gambling at night and we were drinking beers and we were having a good time and we'd show up the next day. But mentally, we would crush anybody. You know, I tell the story all the time, and it's, it's, it's kind of, we laughed at it when I was at the fantasy camp. It's like, you know, Omar Vizquel shows up in Seattle. After it looks like now I'm going to get to be the shortstop, everyday shortstop in the big leagues. I'm thinking, <laughs> two weeks, two weeks, we're over 500, I'm hitting 286. I'm like, I'm the man. And then this kid shows up. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, hey, dude, you know, just want you to know something, okay? The only reason you're starting tonight is because you're younger than me. I'm better than you. Now, he's got 11 gold gloves. <laughs> he's on the Hall of Fame ballot, and I'm here with one tool in spring, you know. But, you know, my, my point was, even though I wasn't the starting guy, I always felt like I was better than him, and I always felt like I belonged on the field. And every day I walked to the clubhouse, I wasn't like, oh, God, I'm the utility man, and maybe I'll get in today. I went to that lineup every single day expecting to see my name in it. And was I disappointed when it was? I'm sure I was, you know. But also, then you got to click, boom, right? We talked about forget. Yeah. I got to forget that I'm not in the lineup, and I, now I got to prepare for the fact that from the seventh inning on, I might be in a nut cutter tonight, yeah. and I better go be the best. And the other thing that I always used spring, as far as the mental side went, and and to compete was that, you know, we played 162 games a year, right? Plus spring training, and the beauty of it was, on any given day, you could be the best player on the field. Okay, I got a Griffey behind me. I got Edgar next to me. I got Harold Reynolds. You know, yeah, you Dave. go two for three, and they go <coughs> for four. It was man, that day. <laughs> I had a, I was like the best player in baseball that day. I made a great play. I threw somebody out. You know, I mean, so if you don't find those little things to carry you through the daily, the big picture is is for guys to project on, right? For us, the big picture is how am I going to compete at this moment at this time? One of the greatest compliments I ever got, I think, in the game was. Somebody said, I've watched you for almost your entire career, one way or another, and you never took a pitch off. Yeah, that is a good compliment. Yeah. Wait, your, your best compliment wasn't you getting called Mark McGuire? Well, that was pretty special, too. <laughs> Somebody thought I was Mark McGuire this year at USA Baseball. And, and I'm talking to the mother on the phone. She comes up to me, and she said, no, they was sitting there. And my mother goes, oh, you played in Oakland. And my mother's a big Oakland A's fan. And says, you, you'll remember her. She was the one with it. And, and I knew who the woman was because she was at every single game. Even when we went in as visitors, you knew who she was, right? She had the earrings or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I remember her. And uh, she goes, oh, she loved you. I'm like, oh, you know, she goes, she goes, do you mind if I call her or we can, you know, whatever? I'm like, sure. So I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's going on, right? So I give back the phone, and then I realize McGuire's son was there, you know, at, at the NTIS with him, Mac, and Mac was there, and he was like four rows down from us or something, no right? Way. And, I, and Mac's got arms the size of my thighs and stuff like that. And I look over that Pete Sinopoli was with me, and, and, and I'm like, dude, I actually think she thinks I'm Mark McGuire, right? <laughs> so I call her back over. I'm like, um, 
Do you think I'm Mark McGuire? Because I'm going, holy shit, I'm Jeff Schaefer. How the hell is when you, I was there for like a month. And I probably didn't even play much. Like, this woman has no idea who I am. I'm like, do you think? She goes, oh, you're not Mark McGuire? <laughs> you guys are there. I'm like, that. no, that's Mac right down there. So I said, stay here. So I went down, I went down to Mark, and I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. He goes, what's up? Because I'm like, that woman thinks I'm you. <laughs> I thought I would you. Can you connect? Bring it down here and let us sign balls. That's oh, yeah. awesome. So that might have been the greatest compliment, Andrew. Yeah. You're right. That could have been my greatest compliment in the game. But you are, you're not Mark, you're Mark McGuire. Dude, you shrunk a little bit. You got shorter, and you, you know your arms deflated. <laughs> but so the, now you now you're bouncing around. You're here in Charlotte. You're going over to speak to the um, to the Vipers, Aaron Bray's group over there, which yeah, and Mike nice Polito, which is they're solid people. Good, um, good. I'm, I'm I'm happy that you're going over there, and uh, you know pushing pushing your stuff. So they got the academy. So how, t- tell everybody how they can how they can connect with you. Everything's Quality at Bats on Twitter, Quality at Bats, uh, Facebook, Quality at Bats. Get my newsletter for sure. It's uh, on Facebook, qualityatbats.com slash newsletter. And, you know, I got an assistant that could steal my identity, Mark. does a great job putting my content together. And uh, we have an online academy, uh, qabacademy.com, where, you know, it's like the coupon code's like MLB80. And for 80 bucks, you could go in there every day. We keep adding content every month. Just all about the mind, the mental stuff, and you know, if this game wasn't mental, then every first rounder should spend ten years in the big leagues, and we should have never sniffed it. And so this Mike is Mike Piazza, last pick in the draft, oh, goes to the Hall of Fame. Well, I roomed with them in Mexico. Today. Oh, well, that's yeah, why. That's why I kept telling everybody. Yeah, he was, like, you know, he's, listen, there was, he was in Double A at the time. Sure, you, I mean, you, he did it. You got it. It's him like in. I was I was in Billy Bean's wedding, right? Yeah. With Money while we were, we were roommates, and they was like, "Is Billy Bean that great a GM?" I'm like, "When you room with me for two years, bro, you pick up something." No. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was telling. We were, I was telling you know, Brian Holman. Go ahead. Billy Bean's quote on my website. He said, "Spring, if you knew this at 18, instead of learning at 30, people might know who you are." <laughs> Dude. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, we. I was telling Holman and those guys. We were we were on the bus in Triple. I was telling Alan Cockle. That's who I was telling Alan Cockle the other day because we played with Tommy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, Alan. I mean, I said I know Tommy's never going to remember this, but we're sitting on the bus one day driving from here to like Richmond or something, and he's all kind of you know upset because Mark Lewis got all this money and you know and all, mm-hmm. he's showing up you know yeah, with a big chain him. on and bling and all that. I was in that league with you. <clears throat> that's your entire water. And I said, uh, you know, dude, don't even worry about the money. Just play for the Hall of Fame. And he didn't mention me in his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> yeah, that's bullcrap. I mean, yeah, come on. Sue so, him. What right? have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but good. So that's how, they, that's how they connect with you, man. I appreciate you being here. We're, no, uh, really, you know, it's, uh, man, it's, it's always good seeing you. Happy you staying at the house and met the family last night. He got, he got a dose of Amanda. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. He got Amanda. They, they got on it going. And, you know, you can see the wheels. You can see the smoke coming out of her ears. I love it. Spring's praying for answers. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time, man. I, I think baseball is just the, the best way to teach life and, mm-hmm. and it's not only about baseball it's about life too many people let yesterday beat them up today in life let alone baseball and Shave says it all the time it parallels yeah. life it's, uh, it's, you got a new game new pitcher new hero every day that you play stop letting yesterday be you know what I want yesterday to play when you get two hits yeah because <laughs> that's the true physical feeling of confidence if I wrote it on a chalkboard give me give me 10 things to create confidence the number one thing is when I get a hit it's in our DNA I don't care if it's a swinging bun I feel good yeah bring that guy to the next day mm-hmm. but when you go 0 for 4 
I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero every day that you play. Dude, kid gets kid gets jammed, gets a base knock. No. Not even anything. If he gets down at first base, he's like, oh, man, I'm like, dude, I'm saying, at breakfast tomorrow when we didn't have video and all that and all we had was the box score? Yeah. I'm like, two for two. Makes yeah. your eggs taste better, brother. Oh, <laughs> They made your eggs taste better. I, I don't f- care if they, like, I got jammed. Then you know? when I finally got to the big leagues, after nine years, people telling me you're too small, you're only here because your brother, and I'm facing Chuck Finley in Cleveland, playing the Angels, I'm up with the Indians, hitting eighth, first at bat, I smoke, I'm sitting fastball, I get it, I hit an absolute missile into right center, I'm thinking double digging myself, and Dave Winfield takes five giant steps and shoestrings me for a line out, and I'm mad. My next at bat... He throws me a 1-1 split. He breaks my bat. My knuckles are still in Cleveland today. I get a little <laughs> flare hit over Johnny Ray's head for my first hit, and I'm happy. It makes no sense, yeah. but this is how we are. And, yeah. you know, when, when you finally get to the big leagues, you ain't nervous hitting. Hey, the You're last, nervous the playing The last man to ever hit 400 for the Mets. Who's the last man to ever hit 400 for the Mets? Uh, no idea. That would be me. Springer! Oh, there you go. That would be me. Yeah, two for five. <laughs> and who was the last guy to get hit off of Tom Seaver? Ah, look at that, man. Uh, that's, uh, now that's a beautiful that's, thing. What do you got, Chief? I got Nolan Ryan for one for four. Okay, and go. I stole a base off him, and I pissed him off, and he wanted to Drilled kill you. me. <laughs> oh, he did. I, listen. He might I get got, a hit out I on got, you. I got, a, I got a knock. I was way too cocky back then. I mean, but it, I, I don't know that it was cocky, that it was just you had to show confidence. confidence like, yeah. I knew, like, when I, went to, when, I went to, when I was coming up, where I grew up, you walked into school, you had to expect to fight every day. And if you didn't fight every day, you're going to get your ass beat, right? That's how it was. And you didn't always fight, but you know what? You better be prepared to fight. So <laughs> I get a knockoff of Nolan. There's a whole story prior to it because I was scared to death. But I get a knockoff of Nolan, and I get on first base, and I, and I, and as I round the bag, you're talking about confidence, right? I know this is a knock. I'm coming out of the box. Man, I freaking got Nolan right. I watched him when I was in third grade. Got on first base, come back, and he's staring me down like you little, because he hung a curveball. Like what would he? Why did he throw? Like he didn't even hear your video or your tape, or whatever. Like, shave, you're gonna get a fastball. What do you? He doesn't. He hangs a curveball and I, and, I, and I get the base. I come around. I come around the bag, and he's staring me down. Like he can't believe that he just gave number fifty, gave up a hit to number fifty six, hundred fifty <laughs> pounds of infield. So I, I grab myself. I grab my my crotch and, and I spit in his direction. Really? And Rafael Palmero's first base. He goes, dude. You're freaking out of your mind. You're freaking nuts. Like I'm like, dude. I'm like, why do you say that? He goes, because the next time you come up, that man's gonna drill you. I said, Ruff, I'm gonna be pinching for the next time. I come up. So, and on top of that, I'm gonna steal second base. He goes, don't you, don't you, don't you? I'm like, you know, I look over the sign, no sign. I take off, I steal second base. Wow. My first day up was Seattle. My very first day up was Seattle. Steal second base, right? So I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, I didn't know the signs yet, man. <laughs> I think he throws the next ball in the dirt, bounces it. I go to third, sack fly, I score. He's MFing me from home plate all the way into the dugout. Oh, I'm wow. thinking, okay, I'm freaking toast. Is that right? on YouTube somewhere? I don't know. It could be. I mean, the, awesome you know, the, the hit's got to be. So, I mean, but... Let me clean it's a hundred years ago. I don't even know if the, it was yeah. some VHS might have disintegrated. Let me clean up my Tom Seaver story. Obviously, it wasn't in the big leagues when I got a hit off him. But every year, the Mets played the AAA in the exhibition game right before they went to New York, and he was, at, you know, he's on his last leg, and and so he pitched in this game. And if he pitches well, he makes the team. Well, I was hitting second, and I grounded out my first at bat. I come up in the second inning for my second at bat. So who's getting hit around? And I was sitting fastball, and I hit a double over Dexter's head, and they took him out. And he's like, if Springer can hit me, I'm done. <laughs> I'm and he hung him up. Yeah, we've, re- we've ruined a lot it. of people. <laughs> a lot of people. 
Craig Hibbard still scored from my first home run. He's like, oh, how many uh, bombs you got in the big Two. Oh, that's beautiful. Two, brother. Both in Comiskey. In the new Comiskey, when they turned it around and the wind was blowing out. <laughs> and, awesome. uh, and they both, uh, Tim Raines, like, it's almost identical. If you put the videos next to each other, he climbed the wall like he was going to go catch it. Really? Just out of his reach. He's my buddy. And, uh, he was a coach. Raines is good. Great good, guy. Yeah, good people. Great guy. So, well, Spring, man, I, I, we appreciate you. And, you know, I love it, buddy. And, uh, it's great to be here. It's always good to see you. You know, every time we're within the vicinity, we always connect and, you know, you're you always got a place to stay when you get here in Charlotte, and you know we always got a, somebody to hang out with when we're at the ABCA or something else like that. But uh, I appreciate you. I love you, man. And um, you know, keep it going and keep figuring out ways not to work so hard and make more money. Qualityatbats.com. <laughs> <laughs> Qualityatbats.com. Coupon code MLB40. Get everything I made for forty See, bucks. That would be a commercial. Steve list. Springer. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, well, we guys. appreciate everybody and. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Schaefer Baseball Report Special Edition. Yep, Andrew, special thanks edition. for rolling yep, in from Concord it. to do it. All right, yep. everybody. Peace thanks, out. Andrew.